You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 309. In this episode, I talk to Gwen Lane about how to monetize your brand as an influencer. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. On today's episode, I speak with Gwen Lane, who is the founder of The LA Girl, a travel and lifestyle brand for millennial women in Los Angeles. She has worked with brands like Disney, Facebook, United, Nike, Target, Nordstrom, and more. Gwen helps digital influencers monetize their influence so that they can increase their income and target. Before we dive into this episode, I want to share a review from Apple Podcast written by Uli Underwald, who is from Austria. She says, whatever topic needed for establishing and growing your online business successfully, you'll find it in the Sigrun Show podcast. Inspirational, helpful, and always focused on business growth, I can always take away perfect guidance. Sigrun's worldwide network leaves no area of expertise not being covered. The number one podcast you should listen to, being a female entrepreneur on the way to make your dream come true to create a lifestyle business. Uli, if you are listening, then send us an email to get a thank you gift from us. If you want to receive your thank you gift, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if I read it here on the show before an episode, then you can claim your gift. Go to signal.com forward slash 309, where you will find links to Gwen Lane and the show notes of this episode. I'm so excited to be here with Gwen Lane and talk about influencer marketing. Uh, we met at BBD Live last October, I believe. Yes, in California, Laguna Beach. And we somehow ended having lunch two or three, three days in a row. So that was uh, quite exciting. Uh, and uh, since then, I have been following you around, Gwen, and it's been amazing to see what you're building with your influencer marketing. And I really want to get here on the show and share with my audience what that is and how they could potentially use that in their business. So thank you for coming on the show, Gwen. Thank you so much, Sigrun. I've been excited to be on this podcast. It was one of my things that I wanted to do after I met you because I started stalking you online, which is now a compliment, right? And ever since I saw your background and all the amazing things you're doing, you're definitely on my list of aspirational people that I look up to. Oh, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Not just that, but like you living in Iceland and Switzerland. Too. Oh, yes. I remember when we met first and started chatting, that was something that connected us in a little bit. So wh why Iceland and Switzerland? Well, we are hikers, my husband and I. So we actually got married in Switzerland and honeymooned in Iceland. So I think that was probably the instant connection when with you and Martin when we met at the event. So uh, we were instantly attracted to your energy. <laughs> That's so great. Iceland and Switzerland. Yeah, uh, seems to be connected in many ways. So influencer marketing, like how did you end up in this space? Like there must be a story behind that. 
Yes. Yeah, so my corporate background is in digital marketing. And uh, in the past, I'm sure, you know, 10 years, social media um, and then influencer marketing coming out in the last few years, um, it was really, I saw the evolution of it. And I saw it working with other companies. I saw it working in the entertainment industry. I'm in Los Angeles and that's where I worked uh, before I started my own company. And so I would see a lot of companies working with influencers and I decided to start my own blog. Uh, that's how it started. And then I realized, you know, I could do this for myself and I could be the one working with brands instead of the one on the brand side working with influencers. So I really got to see firsthand how companies would do it. And it's really great that I'm able to get that perspective and it was able to accelerate the growth of my business having that background. Mm. So you are running the Instagram account, the LA girl. And when did you start it? I started that almost four years ago. I started my blog over four years ago as the blog first. I started on Twitter because Twitter was hot at the time and Instagram was just coming out. Um, and then Instagram kind of just took over the world. As you guys know, it's like the biggest thing in brands and business. Everyone's on it. Every, I mean, I'm on it every single day, <laughs> almost too much, but it's really the platform of choice right now for brands and influencers. And there's a lot of opportunity on there. Yeah. So you started four years ago. Now you have like a massive following. I guess, obviously, we know it doesn't happen overnight, but what were your strategies to get, let's say, that status of being actually an influencer? Right. So I was just posting uh, things that I was doing around LA. I was posting about food, about you know, what I was wearing. I love to hike, so places I would hike. So it's really creating that connection with your audience and sharing them and kind of letting them into your life. Now, a lot of people talk about, oh, this is not real life and this is not reality, but actually for mine it is. And I love that, you know, I'm able to share that with people when I'm traveling. When I left my corporate job, a lot of my old coworkers can were following me and they love that they could, you know, it's like getting a glimpse of travel and getting inspired to do it while you're at your cubicle, right? Everyone's on their Instagram every single day. And I believe that it could be done in an authentic way and that people really can feel that even through your phone when people are being fake and not. And I think that it's a great way to connect with people because that's what business is all about. And brands see that connection and they're willing to pay influencers and help them partner with influencers to get in front of that audience that they've been building. Mm. So at what point are you considered an influencer? Like how many followers do you need to have? What, 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 how do you calculate that? Well, there is no law yet, <laughs> but um, from like marketing industry benchmarks, we have influencers is kind of just the general word. And for me, in my definition, I believe that's anyone who has an audience and can make an impact. You can make an impact on a hundred people and that could be a huge impact. You can make an impact on one person. We talk about having the impact of, on one person all the time is worth it, right? It was worth the work. So here we are trying to get this 
number of followers that no one has really defined. But in the influencer marketing world, just on the brand side, let's say they say micro-influencer, that's usually someone that has less than 50,000 followers. So anywhere like into the 1,000 to 50,000. And then there's mega-influencers, you know, that are in the millions and celebrities and all sorts of people on that end. And then they're even talking about nano influencers now, which is people under 10,000 followers. And the reason why is, you know, we don't follow people because of the number of followers we have. At least I don't. It's because we like them, right? And we have a connection with them and we're relatable to them. And if that person were to tell you, you know, let's say you follow a beauty influencer and they tell you, oh my God, this, this skin cream that I've been using has, you know, aged me backwards 20 years. Then of course, because you've been following that person for many, many years now, you're going to be like, what is it? I want to try it. And that is a way where they can, where an influencer can authentically work with a brand and advertise for a product because they believe in it. It worked for them and their followers are more likely to trust them than if Kylie Jenner was like, here's a skin cream, right? Uh, there's a really big advantage for companies and brands to work with smaller influencers now because they're more engaged and their following is actually more loyal and they trust them more. Mm. So the big mega influencers, they're almost out, like they're not in anymore. <laughs> no, they are. And a lot of people follow them, but a lot of them do not command the same connection or relatability because, you know, you see people flying in jets all the time and, you know, getting sponsored by everyone and anyone. It kind of is hard to relate to the budget traveler. You know, I talk about budget travel all the time still because let's get real. Not everyone can afford to stay at the Four Seasons for a week every night unless it's sponsored. And so I always talk about the balance of that, of like, you know, this was a sponsored post. I remember when I had to stay at hostels in Europe and, you know, we, me and my husband still back in camp. And so I think that more uh, smaller influencers are more relatable and they're able to also be more real in their content. Mm. So how would someone like, uh, let's say you are a coach, can you also be an influencer or is that mutually exclusive? I think that you could do both because most brands just look at the size of your audience. Now, I really think it's actually a good idea for a coach to do it because it's just another revenue stream, right? We have courses, we have coaching programs, we have masterclasses, workshops, and all this stuff. And then you're already building that following. And especially if you're using advertising, you probably have people coming in through your ads. And if a brand sees that, then they'll still want to partner with you, but maybe something that it's your lifestyle. Um, so for example, I've had coaches come to me that travel a lot and they post a lot of travel content. And so they can work with travel brands. They can work with hotels. They can work with, you know, car companies and things like that, but it has to be something that you're already posting. If you're only posting about coaching and quotes and motivation, maybe you can get some sort of brand deal with like, you know, a wellness company or something like that, but it has to fit your brand already. And and it has to fit like holistically around your brand. Mm. So I've had clients where they have been approached, you know, I guess that happens for a lot of people. They are approached, but what if uh, you think like, okay, well, I have a sizable following. I am engaging. How can I start doing this when nobody is approaching you yet? Right. So, I mean, 
For me, I always tell people to focus on their content and their audience first, and then working with brands second, because it's just like a natural byproduct that as you grow, more and more people are going to want to get in front of that audience. And then if you are not getting approached, I am a big believer in pitching. I teach my students how to pitch to brands and reach out to them. Maybe you're not on their radar yet. And also before even pitching to brands, I also recommend engaging with them first so they know who you are. So this is like, let's say your favorite clothing brand, you're already tagging them in your Instagram post. You didn't get paid. You're just uh, showing them that you are already loving them. You bought them by yourself organically and you just love what you wear and you're telling people um, that you wear them and you're also following the brand, you're commenting on their posts. And so there's a genuine interaction and engagement between you and the brand before you even reach out. And after a while I would go, Hey, I saw that you've seen my post and we've been, you know, IG DMing for a while. I would love to work with you guys. Um, who can I talk to? Hmm. So would you do all of this over DM on Instagram? That's the easiest way? You can if you want to. For a more formal pitch, I usually go by email. For example, uh, next month I'm traveling to Hawaii. And so I am actually reaching out to hotels for comp stays. And those are more formal. Um, they usually want to see your media kit, your rate card, um, maybe some other travel sponsorships you've done before. And so that's more of a pitch email, kind of like a... Uh, more formal kind of communication. And then sometimes if I don't hear back, then I would DM them on Instagram and be like, hey, I emailed you guys, would love to work with you. Did you get my email? <laughs> mm, yeah, it's, it's all about the follow-up. Definitely. Yeah. So when you say rate card, I didn't get, what was that? So I teach my students how to create an influencer portfolio and it's pretty much there's a media kit, which is kind of like a resume for influencers that gives a brand a great way to kind of a look at your statistics, how much following you have, what you're following on each channels, and also gives them an insight on your audience demographics. And it gives them a chance to decide if they're trying to target the same people. So in my case for the LA girl, I have millennial women in Los Angeles. And a lot of people want to get in front of millennial women in Los Angeles and especially in LA and even around because we travel a lot um, and we love travel and adventures and experiences like the most important thing to us. So once most travel brands know that they love to work with me because it's exactly the right audience that they want to get in front of, but they won't see that unless you show it to them in a Away. So I teach them how to create a media kit. A rate card is how much you charge per post. If you are charging um, in the beginning, it might just be all collaborations until you work up to uh, an audience where people are willing to pay you. And then I also teach them how to create a case studies deck where they share screenshots of previous posts that they've done with other companies. And it's a really powerful way to present yourself. And it also lets you stand out from all the other influencers that don't have that. So it's a more, for me, when I receive a media kit um, as a brand, I would always want to work with those with those influencers because I knew they, they knew what they were doing, they're professional. And at the end of the day, the marketing person wants to show the ROI, right? And the, the results that you were able to get them with a partnership. And if you were able to give this to them even before working with them, it's a great way to wow a brand and want to work with you. Mm. 
So rates, talking about rates, you know, you hear these crazy numbers that, you know, people will send you free stuff. Obviously that's great free stuff, but ultimately getting paid, yes, because this is another revenue stream. What are the rates that people could expect? I know it's of course, depending on uh, how big uh, of an influencer you are, but can you give us any idea of the revenue numbers? Yeah, so there's benchmark rates that are floating around the industry. Um, it's still fairly new, so nothing is standardized, uh, but that you can possibly see about $100 for 10,000 followers. So that's an Instagram post. If you have 10,000 followers, you can expect to charge around $100 per post. So that means $1,000 if you have 100,000 followers, and if you have a million followers, that's about $10,000 per one post. And I teach my students how to maximize that and not just you know work with uh, brand one time, but how to create packages and kind of create a long-term partnership. So someone with 10,000 followers can work with a company for, you know, 10 months and make a thousand dollars and that's just one brand so there's different ways you could do it too and raise your rates for example if you have a blog a podcast or a youtube channel that's another thing that you could throw in the package if you have other social platforms like facebook a facebook group and if you have an email list it's really about creating an entire package and more of a campaign rather than just a one-off post on instagram yeah, yeah. So you would kind of make a suggestion or does the brand make a suggestion? How, how would you act if a brand says, yes, we're interested? What's the next step? So it usually depends on kind of the initial interaction. If a brand reaches out to you, sometimes they already have a budget in mind and it's all a negotiation. It's the same thing with a client unless, you know, your rates are set, but maybe they're like, we want this, this, and this, this is how much we have. And then you can negotiate and be like, well, I usually charge for this. And then sometimes they say yes and you end up in, or you end up in the middle. Right. And then sometimes you'll reach out to them and sometimes they have a budget and or they don't and then you some you can figure out on your own if you decide that that's something you want to do for free for now and just build a relationship i mean i still work with brands that don't have a budget just because i love the product and i'm willing to promote it to my audience so i think it really depends on you and what's best for your brand in your audience mm. so influencer that has like a following they often say well they're getting most of the revenue from sponsorships but they continuously need to look for new sponsors like how do you because it does it runs out at some point or do you make a deal for years so that's a great question Sigrun, because this is something that i love to talk about i teach monetization a lot and it's my favorite topic because it's fun <laughs> but yeah so it's similar to like an agency, right? Or coaching. You need clients all the time unless it's a long-term partnership and it's recurring revenue. So for influencers, yes, brand sponsorships could be something one time only. And then the next month you kind of have to look for new clients. It is good to extend it. That's what I was saying earlier. If you want to create a bigger package, a three-month package, a six-month package, similar to coaching probably, right? Like you want 
you know, year long clients. So you're not always chasing for the next brand. So it's the same thing with influencers. At the same time, we also have different revenue streams available to us. In the terms of brand sponsorships, we are basically productizing our audience, right? It's advertising. We are selling our audience to the brands to get in front of them, kind of like a TV show. But right now, um, the next step would be figuring out how to monetize your audience and how you can sell something to them. So there are influencers that have their own products, their own services. I mean, I have my own coaching programs and I have courses as well. So it's an option to add on because you're already growing and engaging with your audience. They already know and like and trust you. So it is nice to have an audience and now you have to figure out if there's something that you want to sell them as well. And there are a lot of influencers who have their own beauty lines, they have merchandise, clothing, and all these other things. It's, it's The great thing is that you are building an audience and that's the hardest thing to do, I feel. And if you start with that, the problem is not, you know, there's no one there to sell to. Now the option is what can I do for them? Yeah. Typically, it's the opposite, because when uh, people start a new business, they're kind of like, oh, I want to sell to someone. I'm like, "Who? you need to create an audience. You need to attract some people. So an influencer will, it has the reverse, like they have often an audience, but they haven't monetized it yet. And basically, you're suggesting don't focus just on brand sponsorship. Also think beyond that. Yes, I think that's the natural first step just because being on Instagram, you will get reached out to by brands if you're doing it the right way and you can reach out to brands and it's just a natural thing, kind of like services, right? One-to-one is usually where everyone starts. I know your model, Sigrin, and that's usually where you start. I've I've been listening. Um, And so it's kind of where it starts and then you evolve and as you grow your audience, then you can start thinking of different revenue streams. But I do uh, tell them that it is easier, especially some of these brands are huge brands so it builds off authority credibility and then it, they also help build your audience because sometimes in the partnership they promote your content and they promote your accounts as well so if they post it too then that gives you a chance to grow your audience through their platforms and a lot of the big brands have usually a huge following mm, that makes sense but let's do a complete reverse of this now let's say you are a small product-based business and you are thinking of how to get in front of the right audience. I have had a few clients who are maybe making jewelry, let's say, and they've been thinking like, oh, how do I get in front of the right audience? And let's say the audience is more of the luxury kind. They're kind of struggling, like especially with Facebook and Instagram, you're not gonna just randomly get people to follow your account just because you're making beautiful jewelry. A lot of people are making beautiful jewelry. So how could they, take advantage of this influencer marketing for their product? Yeah, that's a great question. And so I love this because, you know, I've been on both sides and I was reaching out to influencers. So it would be like, for example, if your client was pitching to me. So it's the same thing as if an influencer was pitching to a brand, you would basically find influencers that you resonate with and align with your company's values and style. So for example, for the jewelry, I love jewelry. And you could tell based on their Instagram posts, if they're wearing jewelry, do they talk about the jewelry? Are they actively, you know, 
shopping at like brands that are kind of similar or aligned to yours. And then what I would do is I just reach out to them. So first of all, I would follow and like their, you know, most recent posts and they'll see that we all get our notifications. We know what people are doing on our accounts comments, you know, start interacting with that person. That's like the first, first step is like engage with that person. Then second, you could send them a DM, but I would mostly send an email. Sometimes DMs, if you guys are not following each other, well, not sometimes, but you know that it goes to the other folder and some people don't see it. So that's why I send an email. Most influencers have their email on their profile um, and say, hi, I'm a jewelry company owner. I love what you're doing. Say something about them first because people love that. Uh, they love that you pay attention. They actually care about their content, not just like, hey, promote my business. I get those all the time and I don't like them as much because it's, again, it's kind of like selling to me before saying hi and introducing yourself. Yes, they're trying to get you into bed before they took you on a date. Exactly. What is that? I mean, um, romance me a little first, right? Uh, and then tell me about your company, why it's unique, why it's special, why it's awesome. And then, you know, send me some photos of your jewelry and then maybe like a line sheet and be like, I'd love to partner with you. And yeah, let me know if you're interested. And I've gone to those and I've talked to them and some of them have budgets, some of them don't. Some of them, it's like mutually beneficials. Sometimes I like to do giveaways. Um, so I ask for product for myself and then product to give away to my audience. Um, and sometimes I take that instead of payment if the company doesn't have a big budget. And it really depends on your approach and your communication and if it works for the influencer or not. And it's pitching. So maybe out of 10, you'll get one you know, to respond and you can keep trying as you go on. And there's so many influencers out there. So, you know, there's not a shortage of people to work with. Mm, but I guess they're a bit scared. You know, I, I did have this discussion with a few of my clients and they are scared of doing this. Like, is it scary or you just say, go for it? Well, I talk to my students about this all the time on the pitch, on the flip side, right? So for example, I was, you know, reaching out to hotels in Hawaii and I reached out to the Four Seasons and one of them said, uh, thank you so much for sending. Unfortunately, we are not able to accommodate it, accommodate your request at this time. And so I screenshotted it actually and showed it to my, to my students because I said, it doesn't matter how big of a following you have. It doesn't matter who you are, how great your content is. There's always going to be people who say no. It's the same with coaching. It's just not the right fit, not the right time, not right now. And so I sent it to them because I wanted them to see that it's not because of your following. It's not because of you. There's always going to be no's and that's a part of business and life. And we're just going to have to get over it. And what's the worst that can happen? Nothing. Like they just said no. And I was like, boo, I can't stay at the Four Seasons Lahaina, but maybe next time. And then the next day I got an email from another Four Seasons in Maui and they said, we'd love to, but we're all booked because you just happen to be coming for spring break. Um, but come in the fall, we'd be happy to accommodate you. So it's a perfect, perfect example of not right now, not because we don't like you or we don't like your jewelry or we don't like your content. It's just not the right time. And you can always follow up, ask again later or go to someone else. And I'm a big believer in everything works out. So I was meant to stay somewhere else and I'm sure I'll partner with them some other time. Hmm. Great. But I guess because there are so many influencers, let's talk about that. You read articles and newspapers that influencers have gotten a little bit, 
I don't know, maybe arrogant about what they think they should deserve or the rates you mentioned before. I've heard a lot higher rates than what people would want to get for a post, even if they have a relatively small audience. Some hot hotels and restaurants might have been like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not, I'm not working with these influencers. But I guess there's a difference between influencers and influencers. Yes. So the word influencer has been thrown around a lot the last couple of years, just because there's more and more people going into it. I mean, blogger used to be the word, right? And like now it's influencer and everyone is using influencer. I think that you know, we can't judge a word by its word. It's only what we give it meaning, right? And I've talked to influencers about this all the time about, oh, it's so saturated. Why should I start? There's so many people. But that's just like saying, you know, I shouldn't be a coach because there's so many coaches out there. I shouldn't be a teacher because there's too many teachers. I shouldn't be a doctor because there are too many doctors. Well, what would happen if, you know, those people that are the people that you admire now never started because there were already people around? Like, I'm a big believer in abundance and that people do things in a special way and that there are going to be some people that relate to me and won't relate to someone else. And I think for influencers, um, you just have to do your own thing. And you have to, I think if you do it with good intentions to help your audience, audience first all the time, then, you know, the right brands and the right people would partner with you. Now, I've seen this in the media because obviously I pay attention to what's going on in my industry. And I kind of feel, you know, that it's a word that is taken in the wrong context and we can't generalize, you know, like all influencers are bad influencers, just like we can't say all priests are bad priests, right? But we all know that story. And so I think that it's all about presenting yourself in a way that, again, if you're professional about it, then they know you're not just going to stay at the hotel and not deliver on your, your side of the bargain. And it's just like business, right? If you have great customers and you over deliver, and you give people a great experience, they'll want to work with you again. And hopefully that person will tell someone else. And I want to believe that people are here to do the right thing and the good thing. Um, and so I believe that influencers have a great opportunity to create a massive impact because they, we do have Usually, we're trying to grow large audiences, and we're able to affect people positively. There's always going to be bad in the world, right? We, can't, we can never get rid of negativity, but there are those people like me and Sigrin who believe in helping others, and that's what we're here to do, regardless of how many bad apples are out there. Very true. Very true. It just made me think of like, do you, you have stats for previous, let's say, campaigns you've done? But do you also ask for testimonials from clients you work with? Yes, I have done that as well. Um, they really love the social proof <laughs> because they can see it, right? And they, Yeah, numbers. <laughs> yeah, they want to see the numbers, the screenshots. So those do really well. And actually, I have worked with a lot of agencies. And, you know, at the agency, maybe one person handles one client and then another person handles another client. And because they're sitting right next to each other, 
I've had people recommend me to their coworkers to work with another client just because, you know, I followed up, I showed up on time. It's professionalism and work ethic, right? They can see who's easy to work with, who's responsive. And so it's just like client work. If you are, you know, doing a great job and you over deliver and, you know, you give them a great experience, they're going to keep coming back or it's going to come back in some other way. So if someone was listening to us right now and said, yes, I want to be an influencer and they have currently <laughs> and not many followers, this takes time, right? Yes, yes, definitely. It doesn't happen overnight. I haven't seen anyone grow that much unless, you know, they've been on a TV show, they married a celebrity or, you know, they are in some big viral sensation thing. But for people like me who, you know, did it slow and steady, um, it took several years for me to get to 100,000 followers. Now, the thing is, I made a lot of mistakes, and there were things that I should have done in the beginning that I didn't do at the end, and, you know, my students now are growing more rapidly than I am because they're able to learn from the lessons that I am giving them, and that's why I believe in coaching so much, right? And Sigrun knows this. You guys know this. I have a coach because they already know what has happened that, you know, now we can even do it better than them. And I, I love that my students are getting these results because they're able to bypass all those detours and those mistakes and failures because I'm able to give them that through my teaching and coaching. But still it takes time. So let's say if somebody had the goal of 100,000 followers to be able to be a, a medium-sized influencer, it's still going to take, let's say, a year, six months. What is the fastest growth you've seen? Um, the fastest growth I've seen so far from some of my, you know, peers are like about one to two years. One is very fast. I think 50,000 in a year. I've had a friend do it, but she was also uh, in a lot of other big brands videos. So she was getting featured on BuzzFeed and Tastemade and they would put her handle on there and people would look her up. So if you do collaborations with bigger brands and like if you're on videos or other people's material and content, then yeah, you can really leverage other people's audience and grow from there. If you're on The Bachelor, you know, that can happen in about three months because, you know, you're on TV and you have a worldwide audience and people want to stalk you and know what you're doing on Instagram. So um, I think healthy, organic growth without the movie star, without the fame and without that, probably two to four years on average for 100,000. That's good. We want to keep it realistic. I really like that. We are not promising overnight success. It all takes time. We don't want to give people high hopes that they can be an influencer overnight. So it might make sense if someone wants to earn money faster that they have different revenue streams until they reach that status. Definitely. I mean, I was doing my Instagram and my content, my media company on the side for two and a half years um, while I was at my current job because I didn't want to um, have that pressure of getting that money from my business when, you know, I didn't have a big following yet and I was still growing it. I was only getting free stuff, which is still great, but you know, the, the free stuff is not going to pay my rent. It's not going to pay for my car, my insurance. And I, I tell this to my students all the time. It's like, you know, you're going to be stressed out. It's going to be hard for you to look happy in your photos and, you know, to talk to your audience when you're worried about the money. So definitely it took time to build and patience and it's not an overnight success. No, but it's doable for anyone who wants to put in the work.
definitely doable. And it's so much easier now, you guys. I feel like there's some people who complain about Instagram and the algorithm and Facebook and all this negativity. And I'm like, let's not focus on what we can control. The fact that you can get in front of thousands of people live and just to click. I want to continue to be grateful for that. I was talking to my husband about this yesterday. It's like blaming the internet. There's so many bad things that happen on the internet. At the same time, look at all the good things it's been able to do. We could learn so much. We could connect with people. So I always tell my students, stop focusing on that. That's a distraction that you don't need. Focus on your audience right now and what you can help with them with. That's a perfect ending to a great episode, Gwen. Thank you so much for coming on the show. So people can follow you, obviously, from the LA Girl. And where else can people follow you? Yeah, so the LAgirl.com is my Los Angeles travel and lifestyle blog. You can also find me if you are interested in being an influencer, growing your following and monetizing. It's the sparksociety.org and sparksociety underscore on Instagram. Great. We'll link this all in the show notes so it's going to be easy for people to click there with the number of this episode. So thank you for coming on the show, Gwen. I hope we'll see each other soon. Thank you so much. Go to signal.com forward slash 309 where you will find links to Gwen Lane and the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? then please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because that's how more listeners can find The Sigrun Show. See you in the next episode.